Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is. <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a nonprofit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. They're literally rock and they're alligator. And cow. And cow, they're amazing chairs. What's that tattoo on the front of your leg there? Oh, it's um, Marla Singer from Fight Club. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And the um, the band tattoo on your right hand? Just a pretty cuff. Okay. Like an ode to New Mexico. Like there's turquoise cuffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because mm -hmm. when I looked at it the, the other day, or actually today, um, every time I, I was taken aback because I thought it was like you're wearing a, a cuff. Yep. Like a bracelet, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so welcome. Cheers. Cheers. Strong couple of days. Yes. You're going to have to figure out how to drink. Oh, no, that didn't work. There we go. You may not have to. You know, you may not be able to drink this entire time. Probably not. Newbie. Have you ever podcasted before? Uh, twice before, I think. Okay. Still relatively new. Very. To the game. So I do a terrible job, typically, of introducing people. And I guess I'm purposely not going to introduce you yet. Because I think that uh, the suspense is... Is worth the wait. So you, in the last 24 hours, yeah, 24 hours, mm -hmm. have gone from technically a non-hunter to a hunter. Yes, sir. And that's all you have to say? Yes, sir. Oh, you want me to elaborate? Oh, uh, yeah, well, I can elaborate if you want, but sure. I'm sure people would prefer you to elaborate. Yeah, so um, came out here to Quail Creek Plantation and with an amazing group of individuals 
and took a couple cracks at two different animals. Um, walked away empty-handed, but I mean, I would say literally empty-handed, but the experience, experience itself was far beyond anything that I, you know, mm-hmm. you can take home with your hands. So what made you decide to, and I know we, we filmed your Blood Origins episode today. Mm-hmm. I know this is a little bit repetitive, but I think people will want to know a little bit more about you. Um, what made you decide to go from being a non-hunter to being a hunter? I love challenging myself mentally and physically. Um, I really like to suffer a lot, um, you know, through workouts and mental endurance. So that was one thing we did not touch on today. So you mentioned it, obviously in a Blood Origins episode, I can't dig into it, but it was something that struck me. Okay. You enjoy suffering. I do. It's um, getting yourself... He's masochistic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Getting yourself to a dark place where you have to fully rely on your mental fortitude. Not so much your body. Your body's going to do it. And, but you'll, your brain will quit far before your body's capabilities die down. And so, um, I don't know. I just, I just enjoy it for some reason. It's, I always like to push myself to the limit. Is there a place where that comes from? Yeah, I have a incredibly deep insecurity um, okay. that manifested from childhood. Um, my dad was in the Air Force. Um, tough, tough dad, but provided for us. Sure. And no matter what I did, even as an adult, having gone through basic training, airborne school, fire school, um, he literally told me, I've lowered my standards for you and you still haven't met them. Wow. Yeah. So that being said, I think it's my way of proving to myself that I am capable, even though I still have that, you know, deep seated insecurity. It's my way of reminding myself that I'm pushing beyond what I think I can do, and I think I'm doing okay. Did you go to the Army because of that? No, I went to the Army because I grew up in a very small town. I couldn't afford to go to college. I didn't get a scholarship. And I knew if I stayed that I was going to go nowhere. It, I had no ambition, no drive. Realized I, I wasn't cut out for school at the time, and I needed to get away and that was the best decision one of the best decisions i've ever made well why don't we just introduce you then all right we'll go ahead and introduce yourself and then just tell them you know what you did in the army and okay and we'll go from there i'm mandy thomas i am an army airborne veteran uh, paratrooper paratrooper um interrogator Russian linguist. Yes, I remember that now. Mm-hmm. I forgot completely that you interrogated. No wonder you've been telling me all day, please don't interrogate me. Don't <laughs> exactly. interrogate me. Did I interrogate you? You did. Well, you cracked me. I know. I'm pretty good at cracking people. I, that was unexpected. Um, but yeah, you, you did a great job. And that's why I love that little, that little camp that we were at. Because it, if I could hand, I told Fred on the drive out or back, if I could hand pick an interrogation booth, it'd be that one. Is awesome. No, I, you know, it's, I don't, look, I don't purposely set out to crack people. Mm-hmm. 
but I have cracked people that have told me I don't crack. Mm-hmm. And it's not a matter of, like, when you, if you had asked me at the beginning of what I was going to tell you, I knew exactly where I was taking you. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't tell you where I was taking you. Yeah. It just manifested in what you said back to me. It was perfect because, um, you know, yesterday when I walked away empty handed and everything I had done up until then, in my mind, was exactly how I pictured it. Correct. And I still didn't walk away with a pig. And it hurt my feelings more than I thought because... I keep saying the word over and over. I want to pay respect to the animal. I'm mm-hmm. not out just to come out here and prove mm-hmm. that I can kill something. Anybody can kill something. Mm-hmm. But I had it in my mind a way that I wanted it to be done. Well, and I asked you constantly, take a rifle. Let, let's go with a rifle. And you're like, no, Robbie, I want to do it with a bow. Yeah. Which makes sense now, knowing you, that you want challenge, you want suffering, you want... You want to make it hard on yourself. Yeah, and and sometimes walking away empty-handed makes you a little more hungry. So, you know, you go back, you refocus, you recalibrate, you remember what it felt like to walk away hungry, and you get after it the next time. As a side note, did you know that my grandfather was born in Russia? I did not. Did I tell you that? No, where? He was born in Vladivostok. Okay. Uh, Actually, no, he was born in Khabarovsk, which is way east Siberia. And he was raised in Vladivostok and Khabarovsk and spoke, spoke fluent Russian his entire life. Wow. Uh, hunted Siberia and northern China and he fun- hunted pheasants in Tibet and then hunted the heyday of Africa. But yeah, Russian through and through. And because he was raised Russian, his mother was Russian, his dad was German. Dad died when he was one, when they were in Hamburg. This is obviously definitely a side tangent, but anyway. No, share, please. He, um... He was raised Russian, and so when he got hauled into potentially being sent away to the gulags in Mm -hmm. Siberia, he could act Russian and not German, because the Russians were piling all the Germans onto trains and sending them. Unbelievable. You know, a cool, cool thing about Russia is, do you know who they used their snipers for, or used as snipers in the Cold War? I'm going to guess woman. Archers. Archeries, people. Yes. So I actually had the opportunity to go to Russia um, after the military, and it was a place called Ulan Ude. And I thought I was going to fit in there. You know, I'm blonde, blue eyes, you know, fair skin. No, it's right above Mongolia. So it's oh. more of the Asian influence. And I stuck out like a sore thumb. But anyways, we were um, just kind of, peering through the town and just enjoying the sights. This we, is, you were still in the army at this point? No, I was out. Okay. And um, through the town, they, they have these big statues. Like they have the largest linen head statue in the world there. Um, but there was a statue kind of off on its own, tucked behind some trees. And it was a statue dedicated to the snipers of the Cold War who were archers. I thought that was the coolest thing. Wow. Yeah, and wow. it makes sense. I mean, think of how much detail goes into and mm. practice goes into archery. And they didn't have the scopes and, you know, the sights and everything that we had. They were, you know, they were real shooters back then. So, of course, they're going to want them for snipers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
So veteran to coming out of the army after how many years? When I went to Russia? No, just generally. How long were you in? A uh, little over three years. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I got pregnant with my first daughter. Okay. And um, I didn't, I wanted to be a good parent and I didn't feel like I could do that in the army. Nothing against the army and nothing against parents that do that. But when I invest in something and something as precious as a child, I'm in it 100%. So I got out. Um, went to college online, got a degree, and was a stay-at-home mom. And today? Uh, today, I, I'm a firefighter, in a full-time paid firefighter, and that's something that I did. After Definitely no suffering and no challenge. In none that. at all. It's super easy. Yeah, <laughs> like really easy. Anybody could do it. Um, and that was another reason why I went in is... Why I decided to do fire is I had another daughter a little over two years after I had my first daughter, and I was a stay-at-home mom for 12 years because I wanted to raise them. Sure. I wanted to be there. Sure. And, um, you know, nothing against working mothers or fathers. It's just me. And um, I lost my identity completely. I was so invested in them and inputting into them that I was just pouring into everybody's cup except for my own. And, you know, growing up in high school, I did four sports a year and then went into the army and got to do some cool stuff, you know, jumping out of airplanes. And, um, and then I just lost that. And so I figured, what's another challenge? Let me go be a firefighter. Let me go try. Sure. And I ended up loving it. Cool. Yeah. Now you do some crazy fitness kind of stuff that is like mind boggling. Yeah. So here's why we do that. Everybody's like, why do you, why are you doing this stuff in gear? Mm. The reason is because we had a relatively cold winter. And so we got used to that. You know, you put on your fire gear when it's 50 degrees outside and you're grateful that you have your fire gear on. It also gets really, really hot in the summers ridiculously hot so we're conditioning ourselves back into knowing what it feels like to do that kind of stuff when we're hot because you know you're in a fire or you're on scene helping Mm -hmm. um you don't get to take your gear off because at any moment something can happen and you got to go right back in well that's the trick right i guess any at any moment at any time when you're on and what did you say you're on for 24 hours right at a time Mm -hmm. it could happen and you got to be ready. You got to be on. You got to be no matter what the time wall. it is. Yep. Right. Yeah. My first fire was on my fourth shift at ten o'clock at night. We had just laid down to go to bed, and you go from zero to one hundred on calls like that. You know, we get there's car wrecks as well or mm. cardiac arrests, mm. which involve you know a lot of um, awareness, and you have to go from I am asleep. To I am fully awake and ready. Sounds like when you went from zero to a hundred when you saw your first deer. Oh gosh, yeah, just as exciting. Honestly, just as exciting. It's that that unknown, right? You know, it's even though I couldn't obviously engage the whitetail because they're not in season. It was just that. Oh my gosh! Like something is there. Yeah, you know, you prepare for it and you prepare for it, and like you've mentioned, I I wasn't a hunter. 
I'm shooting 3D targets and those don't move. Right. You know, so you walk up on it, you know what it's, you know, it's there the whole time and you're just sitting in that tree stand and all of a sudden this beautiful creature just comes walking right underneath you. you yeah, know, and, we were, and we were sitting in a stand behind you so we could see them coming up behind you. Mm. I don't know if you had seen them or not. When did you see the, 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 did you hear them walking up behind you? So Jesse mentioned that it, she was right over our left shoulder, mm-hmm. but I couldn't see her and I didn't want to make a lot of noise. I really Pause. wasn't sure how much noise I could make up there. A little, you can make a little bit of noise. And um, it, it was when the second one came up that my heart just started racing. It's just, you know, this is nature in all of its glory. Well, what's funny is this, right? And, and you're being the perfect prime candidate for this. You have no idea. You have no idea what it means to hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Don't take that any you know, way that I'm taking it. You have no idea what it means to hunt. Your first sit, you see something, and it elicits a reaction out of you that is heart palpitations. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have a bow with you in that stand, and obviously I don't have the experiment, I don't have the proof, I don't have the sample size, mm-hmm. but my hypothesis would be that your heart would not palpitate the way that it did because your mindset was that I am in this place, in this tree stand, to kill something. 100%. And I can tell you, my heart rate has never done that for any fire call for any jumping out of airplanes it's different this is such a responsibility Mm -hmm. for the person hunting at least i'm speaking for myself and i feel this way it's it's such a responsibility and you do all of this practice and then to all of a sudden see what it is you're looking for and it's real. And you can really hurt this thing if you're not careful, if you get too excited, if you, you know, pull too fast, or if you're, you just get sloppy, or you shoot something that's out of season. It's, it, my heart rate has never, ever done that. Why did you, why do you think you have a responsibility? Because it's a living creature. And my, my thought, I don't, want to speak for hunters so I got to be really careful with this is my goal for this hunt was to not only come here for the experience and shoot something and you know take it home is that living creature is just as justified being on this earth as I am and I want to I want to do it uh justice by doing it the right way. I, I, I feel responsible for that. It's just all of the buildup and everything is there for a reason. It's not, you don't want to put a bow in somebody's hands for the very first time and then send them out and hopefully that they kill something. You know, there's just, there's an etiquette in the community where we respect these animals. We should, I should say. Yeah, I, I almost want to call bullshit on you. Okay, go on. Uh, because how do you know that? How do I know what? The things about ethics and the things about the responsibility of life. Me. This is me talking. I feel 
So, for instance, I'll I'll push I'll push a little bit more. Okay. Because you know that I like to poke at yeah, this point yeah. in the day. Bring it. If 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 this animal that is justified as you just talked about, you said it was as justified as me to be on this planet. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it unfair that you were stand sitting in a tree stand with a bow in your hand that you know? Essentially, it it didn't know you were there, and you could end its life. That's fair enough, and and I'm purposely being antagonistic here. It's okay. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, anybody could say that. But my thought is, do you think it's fair? Let me ask that question. Do I think it's fair that I'm up in a tree stand and about to shoot this animal? Mm-hmm. I do. Okay. Um, and the reason why is because I've put in the time, right? This animal, God knows how much longer it's going to live. Mm-hmm. It's in its natural ele- element. Mm-hmm. It's not stuck in a pen somewhere being pumped full of who knows what. It is enjoying life. You know, pretty much driving down the interstate and has no idea that it's going to be taken out, you know. Did you, did you know the system? Did you know the habitat? Did you know the wind direction? Did you know, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm almost just setting, up, setting you up here, but yeah. did you know the lay of the land? Not nearly like Fred. Did you know where the wind was going to be coming from? No. Did you know the potential elements that would have interacted with you in this position as a hunter? No. And so I I asked you the question of whether it was fair, and you said no, because what happens is a lot of the times the argument against hunting Mm -hmm. is that it's unfair to to the wildlife. Okay. And they say it's because we have a weapon. And my response typically to that is, yes, I have a weapon because one, uh, my brain has evolved more than a deer Mm -hmm. or a pig. But I think the playing field is level because my eyesight is a thousand times worse than a deer. My nose is 10,000 times worse than a deer. I don't know the habitat. I don't know the wind. I don't know the trails. I don't know any of that. I see what you're saying. I'm just assuming that this is a good place that I'm going to hunt based on my my skills as an outdoorsman, reading things, saying, okay, I'm going to position myself for the best chance that I possibly can at this animal. That makes complete sense. And yeah, I I had none of that. Yeah, you didn't have any of it. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I would agree with your statement and that it was fair. Okay. Um, Glad we agree. So, you know, progressing this a little bit further along, you hunted, mm-hmm. and as everyone saw on your Blood Origins episode, because that would have already published, mm-hmm. is that you were unsuccessful. Correct. Unsuccessful in taking the animal. Or actually, no. Unsuccessful at recovering the animal. Yeah. And they would have heard me Probably they would not have heard me. Depends on how we cut it. They would have heard me push you to say, do you consider yourself a successful hunter 
or an unsuccessful hunter? Damn you. <laughs> yes. Yes to what? Um, yes, that's what you asked. Correct. And I said that I was unsuccessful. You got quite an emotional reaction out of me that came out of nowhere. So let's talk, I want to talk a little bit more about that because in the stand, when you shot the pig, Mm -hmm. you had no emotion. Not the emotion I was expecting, no. Mm -mm. Do you think it's just because of how you were raised or? No, I wasn't raised to hunt at all. There's no hunters in my family. No, no, no. I mean more about the the driven, I'm not good enough kind of scenario that put you in this place that you're like, I can't. And again, I apologize for what I'm about to say. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to show weakness. I no. don't want to show emotion. And that's what Jesse said to me yesterday. He was like, look, dude, she shot the pig. She looked at me and she said, is that it? And I was like, I can see that. And that's why I pushed you the way I pushed you today, because I knew there was something else there. Yeah. Um, the thought of not wanting to show weakness has absolutely nothing to do with that. Um, in fact, I don't think I've ever felt stronger than in that moment of pulling the trigger and putting it exactly where I wanted to put it. I think that not having done that before, I just expected like this transformation and like mm. this music and like, mm. you know, just just something different than how I reacted. And it has nothing to do with you know, I can't show emotion. It was just, I was just going through the motion of everything I had practiced before. And the only thing different is, you know, this target now took off and I got it. Um, yeah, so there was no, nothing subconscious, nothing. I, you know, no, not Do showing you think weakness. it was more robotic than you expected? And I said yeah. robotic because that was one of the questions that Jesse leveled at you today which was, and I saw exactly where it was going, and I don't think you answered it the way that I think Jesse was trying to push you. Mm-hmm. He said, I think based on you being a veteran, you being a firefighter, the things that you do in that job have to be robotic. Yeah, you have to detach yourself completely, on, and that's what we do on calls. It's you just kind of go on to autopilot. You know your training, you know, um, but you you're you have a job to do, and there's no time for emotion. Not then, after you know you get that adrenaline dump, which is what happened, af- you know, well after. But yeah, I I would have to agree. It's that it's that detachment because it's something that's it, it was really important to me, and sure. it, and it's been a buildup. And it happened, and and that's why it was like, well, shit, this is how I feel? Well, it was also extraordinary circumstances. Let's just make sure we set in the playing field for everyone listening. First hunt, tied to the project, mm-hmm. which has it, its own strings to it. Cameraman next to you. You know, when people shoot their first thing, none of that's typically ever there. Yeah. 
you know, and and we we can't deny that, and you could deny it, but I would call you a liar. See, you're getting to know me. That there was added pressure. And even though I kept telling you there's no pressure, there's no pressure, there's no pressure, mm-hmm. there's pressure. For sure. But you know the cool thing is, now that I think about it, is I was so focused on these whitetail. They kept coming, and they kept coming. I don't, know, I don't remember how many we saw. And I was so focused on them, and then this boar comes out of nowhere. Like, seriously, just out of nowhere. And yep. I saw the video that John had, and this thing's like... He just slid right in there. You guys could see it. I couldn't see it until it was... Popped right out. 15 yards in front of me. Yeah. And uh, so there was no time. There was, n- like, the pressure was gone. Jesse, I couldn't even see him. Had You know, the, the awareness of anything but that boar and rain... Did Jesse say anything? Did he say? No. Hey, hey, hey. Nope. That thing just... Here's a bunch of deer, and now here's this boar. And... So that the pressure was gone because I didn't have time to see him coming from 50 yards away. That thing was right underneath me. And it just, just autopilot. So I completely forgot everything was around. It's like a vortex, you know, it just, that tunnel vision. Sunk the arrow behind the shoulder. Mm -hmm. We watched the video because we were videoing it from behind. We saw the arrow sink in. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything went right. Mm-hmm. Except we didn't recover the animal, right? And that is, you know, it's funny when it comes to blood origins and stories of blood origins. I have obviously visions of what I want a story to be like. The best vision was you killed, first sit, mm-hmm. we recovered, everything associated with it, but. There's a, there's, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways in that there's better stories to be told. Mm-hmm. More meaningful stories. Yes, it, it was a heartbreak that you didn't recover the animal. And I don't know if it's selfish on my part, but it led to a better story. I don't know if I would have cracked you the way I cracked you today if that had not happened. You definitely wouldn't have. Mm-mm. And I don't think it would now, honestly, me reflecting, you've probably reflected more than I have, sitting here right now, in the here and now, moving forward as Mandy Thomas as a hunter, are you more, I don't know if inspired is the right word, are you more challenged, because you use challenge a lot. Are you more challenged to become a better hunter now, given the circumstances of the last 30 hours? And again, hypothetically, if you had recovered the animal. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. What do you think? I think had I recovered that boar, I would have thought, I'm good. I this did, is hunting. Did everything right. Yeah. Like everybody that goes out and shoots something in the perfect spot's going to take it home. So this was this was really in my opinion even though it really breaks my heart that I couldn't take that boy home with me is 
You can take Jonathan home with you. It's okay. <laughs> I better be taking him home <laughs> with me. Um, that this is how it had to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't like being taught lessons like this because, I mean. Why don't you like being taught lessons like this? Because this was so important to me and I had it in my head that, you know, the buildup is there. And, you know, when I, I didn't know beforehand if I was going to take something home and it was just like the fairy tale was unfolding. And then, you know, midnight struck and Cinderella's got to go back empty handed. That's right. You know? Well, you know, from my perspective, obviously, you know, you have pressure on yourself. I, I put pressure on myself because I'm, one, I'm not in control of anything. Yeah. And I want the best story to be told. And I should know by now that there's better stories based on what I imagine. But, you know, Jonathan and I were sitting next to each other. And when we, when you hit that pig, we heard it. Whack! And I, I videoed myself and I videoed Jonathan and my hand was like this. I couldn't, like, I was like, really? look, I can't even hold, I had to stick it on, I had to stick the <laughs> cell phone on the deer stand to stop it shaking. Because that's what it means to me. Like, that's, you know, people, we've, we've talked about it and we've bantered about it and we've joked about it. Like, people are like, Robbie, why do you take this so seriously? Like, Why? And it's just because of, I guess, where I was raised and, you know, having the opportunities that now America offers me and offers my boys and, um, and then just being able to, and it, you know, if you've never been put into the shoes, you can't understand it, but I obviously love to hunt, but there's something different when you get someone else to hunt i can imagine it's like this it's it's a completely new level and you see them and you get excited with them and you want them to do as best as they possibly can and so there's just a pressure there Mm -hmm. right that obviously i can't i have zero control (laughs) which you love yeah it's just the best thing in the world it's the best thing in the world (laughs) Um, so now what? Have you thought about now what? I guess, look, I know it's fresh, but mm-hmm. tomorrow we go home. Mm-hmm. So back to square one, really. Um, I don't think so. No? No. I think you've got your base. You did everything right. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a couple of things. Number one, I think... You need to work on your arrow setup. Okay. I think that there's a opportunity to look at different arrowhead companies. Um, I've got a couple that I would suggest. Okay. That are just punches. You know, Jonathan actually has a very. Uh, I liked his broadhead setup. I like the broadheads that are very sturdy. Um. We just need to, you know, that's one thing that I would recommend you look at is okay. your arrow weight and your you know, FOC on your arrow. And that's going to be a challenge to you too because you want to figure that out. You want to get the best arrow set up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then two, you like to suffer. You like to challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, in this situation, I know that 
um, the pig actually, I think you mentioned this today. The whitetail had your heart like going crazy. Mm-hmm. But as soon as the pig, everything just calm, calm down, right? Eerily calm. Mm-hmm. I think you need to practice situations in bow hunting where your heart rate is through the roof. I agree. I've already been thinking about that. Like, you know, do your your crazy shit that you do, your burpees and your whatnots, your crazy fireman suit nonsense. Pull your bow back. I think that's a great idea. And make it count. That one arrow, and always think about it that way, is that it's okay dropping 100 arrows a day or 45 arrows a day because that's mechanics, Mm -hmm. okay? And I'm no bow hunter. Okay, let me make this disclaimer right now. When people say, do you bow hunt? The way that I like to answer them is this. I bow hunt. I am not a bow hunter. Gotcha. But putting yourself in the most realistic situation you possibly can, with your heart rate racing, and you saying, I'm delivering one arrow, and that one arrow is going to be a kill arrow every single time, that'll elevate your game. Okay. But it's also just experience. The next time you get in a stand, you have got now two stand experiences behind you. Mm-hmm. Plus, you won't have a big, dare I say, fat. No. 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 White girl. Yeah. Sitting next to you. White fat girl. White fat girl yeah. with a camera. Yeah, right in my face. Breathing heavily. <laughs> He's not even here. So Eating I can, my ice cream. That's right. <laughs> Jesse, we love you. Um. Let me finish this off by saying, did you have, I'd like to ask this question. You went through a Blood Origins episode experience today. Mm-hmm. Did you have any expectations of what that was, supposed, that was going to be like? None at all. The great thing, like I said before, is with me, it was a clean slate because this is not in my, my realm at all. And so I'm just absorbing all of it, you know. Zero expectations. I didn't, I take that back. I didn't expect to get as much out of it as I did because I didn't have any expectation to to begin with. I have nothing to base it off of. But the knowledge base and the thing, little things I got to learn along the way. What did Fred do on the, on the cabin? He took a knife and he took it to, was that hot pine that he was trying to show you? So that's, that's turpentine. Oh. Or turpentine, yeah, however yeah, you spell yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, so he was trying to shave it off to show me the smell. He's, that guy is, I you could follow him around the, all day. You about the heart of the, the cabbage tree? Yes. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Could you want to explain what the cabbage tree is? So, I, I don't know what the, what is the Florida Sable state palm. tree? Sable palm. So, apparently, you wait till this thing grows to about head height. And, you and cut, he pointed one out today. Mm-hmm. And it's got these little... I don't know. I think he calls them boots. Yeah, he calls them boots. I wouldn't know how to explain it. They're just the pond fronds that have come off and they just wrap the base. Yeah. Yep. And you take them off and you just kind of shave it a little bit and you cut it and you can make it into cabbage and they call it swamp cabbage. It's the heart of the palm. Yes. Yeah. It's just wild. I can't tell you how much I learned from Fred in... 24 hours he's just a wealth of knowledge and humble humble beyond belief so i think 
this is way late in the podcast to explain this, but the reason we are here in South Florida is because of Fred mm-hmm. Fazzini. Is it Fanzini or Fanzini? Fanzini. And Fred, of probably 50 Blood Origins episodes I have released, it's, it's got to be close to 50. I've never had a negative comment. Fred was the first. <laughs> and he was emphatic. He was emphatic that he was completely disappointed in me. Mm-hmm. And it just, I was like, man, that's the first time I've ever heard anyone being completely disappointed in me. So I needed to find out why. And I, you know, DM'd him. I said, can I get your number? I want to talk to you about this. You know, he was a nobody. I was a nobody to each other. And we sat and we had a 45-minute call, a 45-minute conversation that led to me wanting to talk to him more about ranching and cattlemen and how it intersects with wildlife. And, mm-hmm. and then uh, I guess this is another part of the story nobody really knows is how did I come across you? I don't know if you know this. I do know. Yeah. You do know? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I don't know, even if you, you might have inspired me or whatnot, so maybe you technically are an influencer. But oh, jeez, no. No, 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 no. You take that back right now. <laughs> I'll take it back. Okay. Somebody, so it might have been you. We, you know, I saw battle bars, and I'm, I'm a big, I like protein bars. Mm-hmm. It's like the holy grail. Don't you agree? Like finding the greatest protein bars, like the holy grail. It is. Something that tastes good. It's sweet. For I'm a sweet tooth kind of guy. It has the protein. It has everything I need. And it's gluten-free. It's even harder. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And so I saw the battle bars and I was like, okay, let me check this out. So I ordered a bunch. Um, he had interacted with us somehow, somewhere. Maybe I'd reposted something of yours or I don't know. Um, and this is Andy, right? No, Alex. Alex, Alex Witt. Alex Witt. Mm-hmm. And uh, I reached out to Alex and said, hey, I bought a bunch of your bars. I'm you know, you know, looking forward to getting them. And he's like, oh, great, fantastic. And I said, what do you, who do you guys interact with? And he's like, oh, we interact with a bunch of veterans and whatnot. And I was like, okay. He's like, what do you do? And I told him what we do. And I said, look, man, I, am, I don't know who you engage with i don't know who you interact with but i am desperate to find a veteran female couldn't find one he goes well we just happen to be interacting with this this woman called mandy thomas gave me her instagram handle mother of dragons i was like what the hell is this mother of dragons and then I started interacting with you. I did my Google stalking that I had to do. Um, yeah. Couldn't find anything on Mandy Thomas. So then when I interacted with you, you told me your email was Mandolin Thomas. And so I was like, oh, okay. Now let me Google stalk you with Mandolin Thomas. That, yeah, that took you down a yep. roadblock. Yeah. yeah, I did that too. And then it was just like, yeah, let's make this happen. You know, you are a non-hunter. Find out, found out you are a non-hunter. And that was one of the things we wanted to do this year as as a project. We wanted to introduce non-hunters. We wanted to introduce specifically female non-hunters into the hunting world. Mm-hmm. And so you're numero uno. That's awesome. And I remember you and I chatting a bit back and forth. We had that phone call. And I couldn't understand 
how in the world I had any story. You know, you, you said it you say it a million times. Everyone has a story. And being a non-hunter, I just, I didn't get it at the time. Last night, at the end of the night, I, you know, I, I don't think that my story is better than anybody else's. Mm-hmm. But it is there. And if it can help encourage somebody else to get into hunting or at least if you're an anti-hunter or you're on the fence instead of having it it doesn't have to be you either are a hunter or you are an anti-hunter respect both sides and do your own thing but do the research you know and if my story helps somebody to at least understand. I don't expect them to have to agree with, you know, what we just did here. Understand. I think it's, um, there's a lot of anger towards the hunting community. And I just don't, I just don't understand it because in order for any of this to survive, understanding is key. And I don't think enough people do that. I think they want people to think that the way that they do. And how boring would that be, mm-hmm. you know? So. Well, I think that the reason why there is so much animosity or the perception is there is that they don't know hunters. Yeah. They've never interacted right. with hunters. You're right. You know, you've, you've interacted with some, but you've been in camp now with four of us. Yeah. And I, I got to be honest, this is one of the best communities I think I could be a part of, like, you know, interacting with Fred. Speaking of Fred, he just walked in the door with his puppy. <gasps> oh, there's Ranger. Oh, my gosh. I'm taking a puppy home tomorrow. Did you know that? That one? No, I'm not. I would steal him. But Fred reminds me of where I grew up. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a, a very agriculture mm-hmm. part of New Mexico. They had, you know, 4-H and... I wasn't into that. I was a an athlete that hung with the skaters and the nerds because those were my people. I related to them. But well, you look like a skater right now. You've got yeah. Vans. Yep. Yep. But hanging out with Fred just reminded me of what people are like when they. Oh my gosh, this puppy. When they respect animals. So yeah, I had a great day. Fred is. This has just been wonderful. No, don't you? I'm taking Ranger with me when I leave. So, something I want to say that I didn't really realize until you brought it up, you'd be a good interrogator, is um, I think my story had to be this. Hmm. It had to be because I'm so ingrained in my head that no matter how successful I am, it's not enough. It's not enough, right? And I have to constantly remind myself of who I am. I got to check myself all the time. You know, you've done this, you've done this, you've done this, just because this one person, right. even though he's my dad, he's still just one person. Right. Well, tells you, me I'm not enough. Uh, I apologize for jumping in there. You're, but you're definitely, you know, if you watched your social, your social media, very much, you know, the inspiration quotes, the, mm-hmm. you see it. Yeah. And, it's because I know what it, I personally know what it feels like to feel like shit. 
to have somebody that should be there and encouraging you and um, showing you what that unconditional love is like. I know what it feels like to have that person keep you down. And so half the time I post motivational stuff because I know not only is it motivational to me, like half the shit I post, I'm probably going through something right then and there is somebody out there needs to hear it too. Mm. And this is actually the first time I've ever talked about my dad on a podcast. Uh, it's pretty deep, but well, we've done some deep. Sure, the hell have I got me scratching to cry today. today, which I hate. But yeah, it's you know I, I'm a self motivator because I had to be right, and uh, you know I've had to claw my way out of some really dark shit, uh, constantly because my head likes to go there, and I just like I said I got to check myself all the time. So I think how wonderful this story is now because I have to go home and tell myself you did everything you could have. You couldn't have practiced anymore. You couldn't have shot a straighter arrow. You didn't walk home with a tangible object, but you got so much more out of it that you can't, you know, you can't feel with your hands. So it's, it's perfect. I'm not unhappy. I'm not disappointed. It's just my story, and story goes on. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, we're proud of you, and uh, thank you very much for we this opportunity. No, it's our pleasure, and uh, certainly welcome you into the Blood Origins family. Thank you. And uh, it's a growing family, and uh, yeah, we got big dreams. Absolutely, I'm. I'm very excited. I'm. This is so unexpected, and uh, I know. I belong in this community. They're, they're my kind of people. Mm-hmm. Oh. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you, Maddie. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. (laughs) Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. (laughs) The destination for outdoor entertainment.